Hey everyone, welcome to the Business Alabama podcast from Business Alabama Magazine. I'm Alec Harvey, Executive Editor of Business Alabama Magazine, and my guest today is Scott Adams, Executive Vice President for Corporate Responsibility, Strategy, and Innovation at Protective Life. On this episode, among other things, Scott talks about Protective's vision of sustainability, which may be a little bit different than you'd expect. Please join me as I talk to Scott Adams on the Business Alabama podcast. Scott Adams, welcome to the Business Alabama podcast. Glad to be here, Alec. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Can you give us an idea of who you are to start off with? <laughs> are you from here? How did you get to be where you are right now? Actually, I'm, I'm not from Alabama. I'm, um, I'm a native of Wilmington, Delaware, uh, although I didn't, I didn't live there very long. I actually moved to Montgomery from, uh, from Delaware and lived in Montgomery for about four or five years and then moved away, uh, moved to New York. And then I was in Massachusetts and went to college in Virginia at Washington Lee University. And then I started my uh, working career at um, a bank, NCNB, which became Nations Bank, which became ultimately Bank of America. And I worked there for almost 19 years Again, started in uh, in Tampa. I was in Tampa, and then I was in Sarasota, then I was in Charlotte uh, for a number of years, and then I went to New York for a little while, and then I went back to Charlotte. So I had had quite a uh, a time up and down the East Coast living, uh, which is great. Made a lot of great friends, a lot of fun. Uh, but I came here to Birmingham with Protective sixteen years ago. And have have you? always been interested in the sustainability end of things, or is that relatively recent? Well, a little bit of both. I guess it depends on what you define as sustainability. I, I will say one of the impacts on my career at Bank of America, I was very fortunate to watch um, uh, a leader like Hugh McCall, who was the CEO of, of those predecessor, both the predecessor organizations and Bank of America for a long, long time when I was there. And Hugh was a great believer in the, the community and community involvement and promoting that, uh, both himself. You can, you can still, I think he's, he's, Hugh is fortunately still alive and doing Habitat for Humanity homes in Charlotte and across the country uh, to this day. But yeah, he set a, set a fantastic example for us. And I think that sort of got, got that sort of thinking about a, a, a company that's very involved in the community as a, as an example of, I, I think what has defined sustainability these days, um, that may be not what people think about initially, but that certainly had an influence on me. Well, I was going to exact, ask you exactly that. I think we all have in our mi- own minds what sustainability is. And you said just a second ago, it depends on how you define yes. sustainability. Um, can you go into a little more detail about how you define sustainability in the job you're in now? And yeah. what does yeah, that really well, mean in the insurance industry? Yeah, well, first, I think um, too much today, sustainability is sort of associated with, with just the environment. And it's more than just the environment. So let's let's talk about it from the insurance industry perspective, particularly the life insurance industry, which, as you know, those are very long-term commitments that we make to our customers. Buy a life insurance policy; it's it, usually minimum ten years, but more often it's twenty, thirty-year kind of a commitment. And 
you're relying on that company being there to pay that. If unfortunately you have to pay the claim, um, to pay that claim out there in the future. Um, and so, uh, you, you want, in our view, a sustainable company, a company that's run well, that takes good care, you know, does its business well, takes care of its people, probably involved in the community in ways uh, that if you think that that's a, like a, a company I want to do business with, that they believe in, you know, giving back and seeing all boats rise, if you will. And so we like to think of uh, Protective as, a, as a, a shining example of a sustainable company in that we're going on 115 years. So, um, you know, we plan to be here another hundred years and uh, over a hundred years uh, to be able to, you know, again, pay those, those claims out in the future. I, I'd say the, the second part of that is, and this is the part that I think is, doesn't get enough attention in our industry in particular is remember we, we take in those uh, premiums that a customer pays for their policy, right? And we go and invest those. And the majority, 99% of those investments we're making are in um, bonds. Uh, they're not in the stock market. So we can't, that, that's just not, that uh, doesn't match well to those liabilities, right? Bonds do. Uh, those are the right kind of assets. Well, those, those bonds are corporate bonds, the muni bonds, and they are, they are financing this country in many ways, the business of the country, jobs, infrastructure, things that we, you know, we all hear a lot about and don't really think about, well, who's actually buying those bonds to finance that debt so that company can build a new plant or that municipality can um, uh, improve its infrastructure and sewer roads or uh, of the like. And so, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. And the, and the life insurance industry is a huge contributor to the financing of corporate and, and municipal debt in this country. And we just, we don't talk about it enough. And and when you think about a sustainable society and how important that is, you know, we're, we, and ultimately policyholders through us are helping make that happen. And, and so we're giving back. I like to think of it as constantly giving back to, to communities and um, to this country and improving, you know, improving lives ultimately, uh, not to mention the social good of, life insurance and what it could do in the, for a family in the unfortunate situation if they lost a loved one and a, a claim's paid out and maybe yeah. someone's able to go to college or pay off a mortgage or something that they might not have otherwise been able to. So I, I just think there's this inherent social good in what we do. And I think that's what sustainability really is about. Um, and we just, we just don't talk about it enough. Uh, and it's not just a just a department at protecting. Correct. Well, yeah, I, exactly. It's inherent in our business. It's the mindset to. I, again, I've been very fortunate to work at it, at a place like Protective that puts a high value on also being a, a, a high integrity, ethically run, values based company that you know, considers that you know, we just the highest standards when it comes to um, how we run the company as well as giving back to the community and being involved in the community and taking good care of our people and paying them well and um, developing them, investing in them, et cetera. Again, you've touched upon this along the way, but 
can you talk about the impact Protective hopes to have with all of this? <laughs> yeah, I sure can. And and I again, I, I start first with from the business perspective, right? We want to have the the right kind of impact. Obviously, we want we want to be there to pay claims and take care of our customers. So I think that's you know sort of first and foremost what we what we always start with, right? We're in the business of 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 life insurance and annuities, and we we need to be there to pay a claim or 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 pay the uh, promises uh, and follow through on the promises that we've made. Of course, then it goes you know beyond that it goes uh, so whether it's um, again investing in our people and uh, the commitments we're making to things like diversity, equity, and inclusion in in our workforce and ensuring we have a, a you know we we really firmly believe we're we're a better company the more diverse thinking that we have and experiences that people bring to the table and what we want those people at the you know, we want all people at the table helping us be better and taking care of our customers and running the company better. Um, so I think about that. I think about the environment. Uh, that's certainly an area where I'd say we probably have some opportunities to improve. Now, good news, we're not in an industry that um, by the nature of its business, we are impacting the environment directly. But but obviously, you know, we have people who drive in the cars every day to work or right. uh, we have this beautiful 650,000 square foot campus here in, in Birmingham. We have to, you know, open up every day of the week and ensure people can come in and work and it takes electricity and power to run the comp, you know, to run it. So as an example, um, and, and we're so, you know, having a partner like Alabama Power has been great that we were able to invest in a renewable energy credit that's offsetting all of our energy here in our campus with a, it's actually a, a, a wind farm in, in the Midwest that's able to offset our power here. So that, you know, an example of where we're working to, to be more sustainable. We also know we want to, you know, reduce, reduce our greenhouse gas emission footprint over time. But in the meantime, we're, we're trying to do, in, invest in things like renewable energy. I think an, another area, another example would be we uh, entered into a partnership with uh, UAB last year uh, around uh, the science of healthy aging. And uh, Dr. Stephen Austad, who's a professor there and is one of world-renowned expert on healthy aging, obviously that's really intriguing to us being in the life insurance industry yeah. is understanding what it, and, and we, you know, we're all for our customers living longer and better and healthier lives. And so trying to better understand what's the science behind that and how is that evolving and what are they learning and how that might be able to be applied in our industry and to our customers. And so we have this partnership with UAB around this healthy aging initiative and research and, uh, you know, helping to finance, if you will, more research and more information that can be shared about healthy aging. So that's another example of a, you know, again, a, a give back, if you will. Scott, you've talked about impacting the community, and obviously the most visible bit of that in the in recent months has been Protective Stadium. Can you talk about the stadium and what it's meant to the company, and is it accomplishing what you all want to accomplish with it? Yeah, thank, thanks for asking about that, Alec. We're really, really proud of that, the, the opportunity we had to be the naming rights uh, or, or naming rights sponsor, I guess, of the, of the stadium and um, have the, the honor of, of putting our name on that stadium right in downtown Birmingham. 
we, again, 115 year history in Birmingham and Alabama and wanting to see good things happen uh, in Alabama, really believe the stadium could be a shining example of that. But we also, and, and not just for hosting football games and world games and uh, Garth Brooks concerts or USFL, all, all the things that have garnered a lot of attention, which we think is fantastic, right? I mean, it's really becoming a centerpiece of, of downtown now and a gathering spot. But we were also very conscious of, um, as we like to think about it, of our, as our neighbors in those neighborhoods that surround the stadium. And there are, there are five that we are personally very focused on. I say personally in that I myself have spent a lot of time with um, neighborhood leaders and residents and just trying to understand what was on their minds as this mammoth new stadium was coming into their neighborhoods, really, and what it would mean to them and how did they feel about it. And the good news is we heard over and over is they were so excited about the stadium, like viewed it as a real positive and the attention it would bring. But they, like anyone, uh, any of us who, who live uh, in neighborhoods, right, we we want good things to happen in our neighborhoods. We want to be able to, for them to be safe and um, not a lot of traffic and not have kids uh, worried about, no, we're not worried about crime and have nice sidewalks and have street lights and all, all the things any of us would want. And so they're, and, and some of those neighborhoods, are, that's not necessarily the case. Um, and so uh, their biggest ask to us was, um, how can you be an advocate? Be an advocate for us. You, you sit at tables we don't sit at around Birmingham, right? What, what, what could you do to help? make a difference and, and really challenged us, frankly. And our initiatives, so we took that to heart and uh, we said, look, we can't solve everything, but we'll do what we can. And and we started first with real basic things, which was when they are having a cleanup day and they call us and they say, hey, can, can you come and help us with a cleanup day? We're going to show up. And we have. And yeah. you'll have 20, 30 protective employees there and family members and all and helping pick up trash or do what needs to be done on a, on a cleanup day in a neighborhood like Druid Hills or Fountain Heights or Norwood, as a for instance. Then we took it a step further. We got, we got involved in one of the magnet schools that's in the neighborhood, Phillips Academy, and gotten very involved with supplying tutors and just becoming a, a part of the fabric of the school to the extent they want us right uh, and, and need us. And then we, we also uncovered two, two other um, or are implementing two other opportunities. Um, one was around, you think about blight in, in some of these neighborhoods, it's, it's, it's can yeah. be pretty bad. And before those homes get, get blighted, okay, many of them could use a new roof, for instance, or, or could use some uh, home improvement. And uh, oftentimes these residents all have the the wherewithal and the funds to be able to do that. We were able to uncover a program that, and kudos to the Alabama Department of Insurance, which has a program called Strengthening Alabama Homes, which is a uh, roof uh, replacement effort. Um, they actually started it down on the coast, uh, obviously with hurricanes and started in, in Mobile, the Mobile area where residents who couldn't typically afford to have a roof replaced, it, it could have a roof replaced. And, and it was, you know, again, it's tied as it should be to their, to the industry, the property and casualty industry, which obviously if you have a hurricane come through and you have a lot of roofs destroyed, that's, that's expensive. So in a preventative measure, uh, you know, go in and put in what's called fortified roofs. Um, and so 
uh, which is a roof that can withstand up to EF3 winds um, that uh, could survive in a, again, a hurricane or a tornado. Well, maybe depending on what kind of tornado, obviously, but could, could uh, make it through that. And so um, uh, they started down in Mobile. They wanted to bring it interior to the interior of the state. And we said, great, (laughs) we got some neighborhoods that could really use this. And uh, we have that. uh, And then the, the city of Birmingham also has a program that's a, a federally funded program, community development block grant program, which does home repairs and home hmm. improvements. And um, and we had we've had great partnership with Mayor Woodfin and his team. Um, and so we 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 protective work together to put the two together to say, okay, how can we maximize the funding for these two programs to to bring to these neighborhoods so that we could get a, not only a new roof, but other repairs done on the house. And by the way, under the city's program, they had, usually would end up spending most of the money on a new roof. So now all of a sudden we've got two sources of funding rather than one. And we got, again, Habitat for Humanity has been a great partner to us in this, bringing them as the the sort of executor of the program, if you will. So they're bringing the contractors to the table and getting the work done and the funding's coming from these two sources and it's in a coordinated fashion and we're kind of in the middle, just playing the coordinator role. Uh, but in an imp- in, back to that advocacy role, that was a, we think just a, a, a really good example of how we could be in, uh, an impactful advocate and bring the right resource to bear on these neighborhoods. I'm, 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 I'm happy to say, although I'm, it's way under our expectations, but we've already done 35 roofs in these neighborhoods. Um, as of this uh, early August date, you know, we're, we're not stopping there. We, there are, I think, uh, another 15 or 16 that are in process right now. We uh, intend that we've got 182 applications that we've um, got from residents that you know we're working through, uh, again, with our partners. It's not just us. It's, it's just been a, a fabulous partnership. So that, that's been, um, I, I, and we, we think, a potential game changer for a lot of these residents that might not have gotten access to this or didn't know about it or, you know, really changed their lives and in providing the, uh, one of the essentials of life, you know, obviously a a safe roof over your head, right? Back to our brand and being a protector, as we like to think about protective, that's a, it aligns really, really well. So that's our kind of most focused program right now. We've also been partnering with um, UAB, again, uh, a great partner who has uh, Ray Watt, Dr. Watts, of course, has his uh, Live Health Smart program, which is part of the grand challenge to, you know, improve the health of Alabamians overall. They had been piloting that program in some other neighborhoods in Birmingham. Again, we've brought that to our five neighborhoods. We actually funded an additional headcount in their program to bring Live Health Smart to the five neighborhoods around the stadium. Um, so mobile grocery, mobile health unit, they're doing an assessment of the neighborhoods around traffic patterns and street lights and sidewalks. And, you know, we'll have this whole inventory of potential initiatives then that, again, we'll be starting to work through with neighborhood leaders to say, okay, what are our priorities? Where do you want to go? And then helping them again in an advocate role, both some funding from protected, but also from others to say, okay, how do we get these sidewalks fixed? How do we get sidewalk light street lights and 
again, all in the sense of, you know, we'll have a healthier community overall, both physically and, and we hope mentally, right, that um, will be much improved. So that's just a, a little bit about what we've been trying to do around the stadium. I'm sorry, I'm long, really long-winded about this. Uh, and you mentioned not stopping yet. And, no. And you've been doing this for 114 years. You're about yes. to enter your 115th year. Yes. What's next? What do, what do you have left to do? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I think it's, um, as we said, it's just continuing to deliver on our brand as being a, being protectors. And so uh, right now we're really focused on executing the things that we've said we we're going to do. Um, as I noted, there's some areas of, you know, we still can improve on and we're, we're working on environmental space or DE&I is a constant you know, area of improvement. Uh, but I think more than anything, Alex, just not resting on our laurels. You know, I, I, I think of another area of sustainability, for instance, is uh, cybersecurity, right? We got, we got to have a, a, a secure, you know, feel customers who feel confident to do business with us and cybersecurity, right? It's a constant battle every day to get better and better and better at cybersecurity. So you don't, know have a breach or have an issue so that would you know there's another example of 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 areas that we're working to always working to improve scott i like to end these conversations with uh, a set of questions i call business casual sometimes the answers are business oriented quite often they're not they're pop culture type questions (laughs) um do you listen to podcasts can you talk about the podcast you listen to yeah i i so i'm uh, there two that i'll I'll mention one a more business oriented uh David Novak, who was the CEO of Young Brands, has a podcast called How Leaders Lead. I, I, I wish I could say I religiously look, listen to it. I, I, I don't. I do go to it, uh, yeah, I don't know, once a quarter or so and listen to it. And he's just got some fascinating people, both business leaders and sports leaders. I, one of the ones that stands out, he, he did an interview with, with Steve Kerr, the coach of the Golden State Warriors, and hearing Steve Kerr talk about how he's, you know, manages all these personalities on the Golden State Warriors and um, all the success they've had. I mean, just fantastic. And then I'm also a, a music guy. I, I love music. There's a music producer out of Nashville called Dave Cobb, who's done, that produces Chris Stapleton and Sturgill Simpson and Jason Isbell and all these fantastic artists. And he has a a podcast on Apple Music called Southern Accents Radio, and it's kind of it's it tells a lot about background about uh, he he interviews and and plays music from again different genres, kind of Americana, country, outlaw country kind of stuff. So I I I, I really enjoy listening to that uh, a lot. Are you a reader? What about books? Yeah, I I, I love to read. And I, now I I kind of geek out on um, on a lot of uh, new stuff. Uh, and I'll put in a plug for Axios. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Axios. Uh, Mike Allen was a classmate of mine at Washington Lee, who's one of the co-founders of, of Axios. But uh, so I, I love to ingest, ingest their stuff on a daily basis. My team probably gets tired of me forwarding stuff to them all the time too. But I, I love the way they do are, are, are evolving in the news industry and, and, and how they share information with you that's very digestible in a world today where you can just get overwhelmed. So that's kind of on the on the news side of things. But I'm also, yeah, I love books. I'm, I, I, I used to read all of this stuff. I, I haven't read it as much, but Every Business is a Growth Business by Ram Shram is one of my favorite books. Uh, 
I actually, uh, when I was at Bank of America, got to work with Rom a couple different times. And what a fascinating character. <laughs> you talk about, you know, you think about all the CEOs he's advised over his career and uh, life. It's, uh, he, he's a piece of fascinating. But that book is just one that's, that's always stood out to me. And uh, I, re- I really enjoy it. Do you have time to, to binge any TV? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably too much. But I'm, right now, I'm watching the the Captain on ESPN about Derek Derek Jeter. I'm I love sports, and I, I I'm not a huge Yankees fan, but I, I again, having lived in New York a couple different times in my life, I'm I've certainly been to Yankee Stadium. I've been to Shea Stadium. I'm really aging myself when I say Shea Stadium, I guess. But yeah, so it's it's so much fun to watch. I, I actually went. Uh, went to the 2001 World Series, uh, so I, it, it was, a, and that was a having been in New York for 9/11, living in New York. I wasn't in the city, but uh, that that was really uh, those those Jeter years are uh, kind of I remember them really well, and so it was fun to watch that uh, and see how he evolved as a leader and uh, his playing career. So that one's been a good one. And I'm sure all of the above figure into this, but how, how do you tend to unwind when you're away from the office? Yeah, you know, I love to play golf. Now, some would say, no, I don't really, you, you're a little too intense sometimes the way you play golf, but so I don't know how much unwinding I do, but I love to play golf. I, love, I enjoy that a lot, both with the group of guys I play with, but also my wife likes to play. So we, we play together a fair amount too. And that's a little fun. I've got a couple dogs too. And, um, Probably walking the dogs is probably more unwinding (laughs) than golf, but yeah. Well, Scott, I can't thank you enough for joining me today on the podcast. This has been great. Well, Alec, thanks for having me. Uh, It's been an enjoyable conversation for me, and hopefully you got some good content. My thanks to Scott Adams, Executive Vice President for Corporate Responsibility, Strategy, and Innovation at Protective Life, and to you, the listener, for joining me today on the Business Alabama podcast. Until next time, this is Alec Harvey. Find more from Business Alabama in our monthly magazine and online at businessalabama.com.